we're back at it again. I will say this. Shouts to everybody who checked out last week's episode with John Seymour, the founder of Sweet Chick, a true restaurateur, a true New Yorker. I tell you, it's a real dope story about how a kid, he didn't come for no money, just just really had a vision to open up restaurants. Now they're on their sixth Sweet Chick location. If you never checked out a, a, a Sweet Chick that's near you, find out where the locations are. They plan to be opening in, in major cities around the world. Just a real inspiring story. His father was a bartender. He became a bartender. Turned out now, you know, Nas, the one and only godson, Nasir, became his business partner. Come on, man. I mean, it's just a real dope story. And again, it's real informational. You know, people who are thinking about opening a restaurant, there's so many gems in it. There's so much knowledge, man. And again, I really, really, really enjoy his journey, John Seymour. And to be honest with you, it really just started. So if you haven't checked it out, put that on your to-do list. Now, let me tell you something, man. You know, we always talk about different things. We talk about health. We talk about uh, uh, parenting. We talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about some funny shit, some crazy shit. But let me tell you something, okay? This week, okay, I am celebrating my daughter's 18th birthday. And just saying that shit is kind of like weird to me. Weird because, to be honest with you, and this goes for all the parents-to-be or parents that have younger kids, that shit went by so quick. And, you know, you always think that you have time. Like, oh, you know, we have time. You know, my kid's young. It goes by so fast. That's That's why I'm so thankful that I have a son that is three. I mean, it's a wide gap of, of having a kid that, you know, a daughter that's going to be 18 and a son that's going to be three. But I get to relive those moments. But at the same time, with your when your kid gets older, you relive new moments. Like, honestly, as a parent, man, you know, I always talk about how presence over presence is so important. And for those who may not even understand that, it's just about being in your kid's life, man. It's just about, like, spending that quality time with your kids because kids will never remember the $20 you gave them every one, like, you know, when you gave them $40 one time to go to eat. They ate, they forgot about the fucking money. But they'll remember the times where you brought them to, like, that, you know, certain restaurant every week for five, six years straight because it's just that presence is what I mean. Now, Now, let me tell you something. Sometimes you can buy presents, of course. People buy presents. Christmas, this, that. But you need to be there. Presents with presents and presents with presents. So what I mean by that is like, yo, if you buy your kid a football, you need to fucking throw him that shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I don't want to get twisted where you never buy gifts. No. But, you know, you know, and I always say this and I continue to say this for any of the new listeners. New Day on Watch the Throne by Jay-Z and Kanye, one of my favorite songs. Jay says, sins of a father make your life ten times harder. And... I just never wanted to be that. I tried the best I can to be the best father I can. There's been so many obstacles, ups and downs, Um, especially I was a separated father. So I had to make the most of it. Like, I just didn't want to be a weekend dad. So I was like, yo, I'm going to go there on a Tuesday and just take her out for a slice of pizza just so I could mix up just being, I I didn't want to just be a weekend dad. And I wanted to be more. And I'll be honest with you, when we talk about presence over presence, Having that mindset, creating that, and living that really helped me live a better life with my kid. And now, like, yo, as I'm getting older, I'm fucking starting to tear up. Not not now, but, like, we're going to colleges, we're visiting colleges, and I'm about to send her ass away. Goodbye. See, see you in a couple of years. I mean, obviously, I'm going to go visit her. But, you know, it's, it's, let me tell you, all I'm saying is this, okay? And it's not only, not only parenting, but even your parents. Time flies. And uh, take the moment to uh, appreciate any 
times and moments that are special because they don't last forever, you know, and, and time flies. And, and, you know, as we're getting older, our parents are getting older, our kids are getting older. And I just think it's so important to understand how you need to be in their life. And on different levels, like, look, I want to give an example. Having a daughter, I didn't go to, like, uh, she didn't want to go to baseball games. Like, you know, we, we, she, she wanted to go to a nail salon. So in the beginning, I used to just take her and be, like, a driver or, like, kind of like someone like, all right, I'm here. She wants to get her nails done. And then, like, very early on, I said, fuck this shit. Like, yo, I started getting pedicures with her and manicures. Like, yo, like, join in. Like, you know, my son, you know, I have a son. Thank God, you know, God blessed me to have a son. And when he gets older, maybe he wants to play baseball. And I'll get to live those out. But what I mean is, like, sometimes, like, you know, you want to be stern and you want to teach your kids uh, different values and morals. But at the same time, you have to let them make their own decisions. You know, and, and, and I want to say this. This is really important to me. I have great parents, but they're enablers. And, you know, it's bad. It's bad for them to be enablers. And, you know, I feel like they never wanted me to fall. But if I don't fall, I'm not going to learn. And I'm glad that I made my mistakes early on and changed my life around because I want to try to do the same thing with my daughter. Like, look, you don't want your kids to fail, but they have to learn themselves. They, like, there has to be some things that they hit a brick wall and then have to figure a different way because things don't just work one way. But anyway, listen, shouts to all my single mothers, single single fathers, or or, or, or just whole family homes, growing your kids up spending that time with them, making the most of it, and understanding that your presence will be worth more than anything you ever give them. So I will say this, you know, if you're struggling, you know, with your kid and you're having hard times with them, take the patience, take the time to talk to them. But more importantly, the best things you could do is be there and believe in them. That's all I could say. Let me tell you something. Internets are always checking in. I appreciate it. I mean, I've seen Sydney, Australia on the check-in. Miami was on the check-in. Buffalo, as always, is on the check-in. Hong Kong is always on the check-in. Internets, tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. Follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on Google Play, Spotify. We're on every single podcast platform, streaming, network, etc. Okay? At Premium Pete Show. At Premium Pete. Check-in. Open up your Twitter app. Open up your Instagram app. You think I forgot? You know what I say. Check the fuck in. And let me know where you're from. Let me know what you're listening to, what episodes you like. And as always, I say this. If you enjoyed an episode and you know someone who would enjoy it themselves, like that John from uh, Seymour from Sweet Chick, if you know somebody looking to open up a restaurant, send that to them. Let them get the information. Listen, if we have a crew of people that we feed with knowledge, we all become smarter. And when your team and people around you become smarter or become more knowledgeable or become more successful, so do you. So surround yourself with people who, who are successful, but more importantly, who have the mindset to be a, a good teamwork. Uh, great teamwork is, is definitely super, super undervalued these days. Now, let me tell you something, okay? As we get into this week's episode, I can't wait for you to hear this week's episode. The one and only Derek D. Angeletti, former rapper. Well, he's the mad rapper. Yeah, yeah, my shit is more John Blaze. Producer, I mean, think about it. A guy who helped produce All About the Benjamins, Hypnotized, Feel So Good by Mace, 24 Hours to Live, Money, Power, Respect. I mean, legendary hip-hop songs. Worked with so many artists. He goes over almost three decades in the business. And one thing I really like is he breaks down the producer 
like what the fuck a producer is and what they're involved in. Plus, some of the most amazing stories of the bad boy days with Biggie, with Puff, with Mace, and so much more. Internet, let me tell you something. This one is a gem. This one is special, and I can't wait to you get to it. The one and only Derek D. Angioetti, a.k.a. Yo, 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 the mad rapper, on this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer. Everybody gets that, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Intense, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Finally, and I say this a lot sometimes, finally. But it really, it really is fucking true. Premium Pete show. Let me tell you something. D dot. Okay. Yeah. The legendary Derek D dot Angeletti. All right. AKA Mad Rapper. Mad Rapper. AKA so many other things. But yo, yeah. straight up, straight up. Straight up. We had snowstorms after snowstorms on every fucking scheduling that we had. And we still here, baby. Yeah, you know, and I want to say I apologize. That, nah, we, what that, you that apologize I can't, for? I can't, I can't control Mother Nature. But yo, for a while, I was like, yo, I can't wait till we sit down. With the one and only D dot for hey, so many reasons for so that. many reasons, man. Yeah, I love Brooklyn it. style. Brooklyn style, if anything. First off, off the yes. bat, off the air, we were talking about how many people may not know the Mad Rapper and Derek D dot Angeletti, the producer, are the right. same people. Right. Was that strategically done? It was strategically done. Is there? Is there a re- <clears throat> and how did how did you? Who, it, it, was, it was strategically done by accident, if you know what I'm saying. Like the Mad Rapper character came up by accident, mm. but once it came up. Um, I felt like, wow, this is this is a good thing. People didn't know it was me unless you knew my voice. Mm-hmm. You had to know me to know my voice. So I was like, wow, if people don't know, people were trying to find out. So we was like, let's keep it a little secret. It'll be hot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let's keep it a secret. And it kind of worked for a little while until the Blaze Magazine dude decided he oh, wanted it. That's when they dropped it? Well, that's yeah, he took it upon himself to reveal like he felt like the world needs to know like as if, like, yeah, the, like the big reveal living like I was yeah. like I was the unknown comic and you would take the bag <laughs> off my fucking head and something like that you know what I'm saying shit like that so yo did that did that <clears throat> uh, get created in the in, in the hitman days or um, yeah it got created in, and 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 did somebody like studio. it not like it did puff like it did did it, it 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 wasn't really a matter of like or dislike it was holy shit they dissed us on TV. We mm. saw a video. I think it was called Hit Em Up or one of the videos where they were pretending to be us. Or mm. pretend not to be us, but pretend to be puffy and big. Sure. And I'm sitting there in disbelief because all we want to do is make money. We're not bothering nobody. We're sure. putting out our records. So Big want to do a record going at him. You know, we trying to calm him down. Everybody, and I'm sitting up there, oh, I know how to do it. Sometimes you just show them how ridiculous they are or just that whole concept, not necessarily them, just the whole concept of what they're doing. So I was like, I got it. And once I did it, everybody laughed uncontrollably, so it was just like, fuck it. And we needed it to fill up space because we were making a double album, and you had to have a certain amount of time on a double album to make it a double album, so we needed an interlude and different interludes to make the space. You know, even on uh, one of my favorite tracks, uh, I Love the Dough. Right. In the beginning, 
as they're rolling dice, obviously you could tell they're playing CeeLo. Right, that's me. Yeah, okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Playing CeeLo, right. and then you just come out and say, yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn style. style. After Brooklyn I roll. Style. Yeah, Brooklyn right. style. Right. For people listening who may not even be from Brooklyn, who may right. not be, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, I know what Brooklyn <clears> style <throat> means. Right. But what did that mean to you when you shouted it out on such a legendary track? Ah, man, I mean, growing up in Brooklyn, I'm from Brooklyn, I'm from Christ, Brooklyn, I was born and raised here in Brooklyn. We just had an attitude about life, and it just seemed like everybody, when I was coming up, Brooklyn just seemed like we had our own unique identity, you know what I mean? Um, We would go every, all the hip-hop shows, you know, everybody, if you shouted out Brooklyn, we'd be there by the thousands, Deep. you know what I'm saying, deep. Poloed out, felied out, mm. you know what I'm saying? Wallabies, mm. you know, um, French cut jeans. We used to have those. We used to have the quarter field jackets and sheepskins. Yeah, um, you know, even 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 hip hop. You know, we credit the Bronx, mm. but you know, Brooklyn had a DJ by the name of Grandmaster Flowers mm. that was DJing for James Brown at Yankee Stadium in 1969. We been hip hop. You know, we had Fab Five Freddy is from. Bedford Stuyvesant, you know what I'm saying? Like, hip-hop was way, way in the scenario way before 79, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So that's Brooklyn style. It's just a, it's just an attitude. It's just a, a way of life. And and you, and, and even in, in, in the culture, everywhere you turn, there's somebody that has made a significant impact in all cultures from Brooklyn. Sure. Even in the I just saw a Shaq, another Shaq, a Spike Lee, another, um, what's his name? From Brooklyn, the comedian. He got a new show out. Tracy Morgan. Oh, Tracy Morgan, yeah. And they're making fun of him. And he said, you know, and guess who that guy from Brooklyn turned out to be? And they start naming all types of other people but him. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, so, you grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. Mom and dad? My mother and father, with, yes, from Brooklyn. What, what did mom do? What did dad do? Oh, well, um... My mother's a, a doctor. She was a school teacher, so she ended up becoming a doctor of education. She retired a principal. Mm. And my father's a drug and alcohol counselor. My real father. But I, I, have a, oh, I grew up with my stepfather. My father was in Bed-Stuy, and me and my mother and my stepfather were in Christ. Did you have a relationship with your stepfather and father? Of course, to this day. Good? good. Yeah, and they're, and they're tight. Mm. Yeah, it was, you know, my mother See, wasn't having that. My mother wasn't having that. See, I like the way you said that, because yeah. sometimes there's always conflict. From other people, you know what I mean, mean? We, I mean, like men in the house, we're going to have conflicts, but, you know, he, he helped raise me, helped me mm. become a man. So, you know, you got to give props when another man is raising another sure. man's son. You sure. know what I'm saying? Got to give him props for that. You know, obviously people, if they know of Derek D. Dot Enjoy, they say, you know, legendary producer, et cetera, et cetera. But you're growing up in Brooklyn, mom, stepdad, dad. What the fuck did you want to be? I actually wanted to be a stuntman. <laughs> really? Straight up and fucking Wait, down. How? Like, how did that even? I mean, I was the only child. Mm. I have no brothers and sisters. I got stepbrothers and sisters, but no brothers and sisters. So I was adventurous. I was the kid on the bike going, riding from Crown Heights to Best Style. I Everybody was my brothers. I'd go, if you had brothers and sisters, I'd be at your house. I'd be at everybody's house. So I was the kid jumping off of the roofs and swinging in the, on, you know, doing the Apple Jacks off of the swings and shit. I actually rode in the BMX competitions in Lower East Side when they had when I was a kid. I was one of them kids that knew how to ride the bikes and do the Papa Wheelies and all that other shit. So falling and doing all that, I learned how to ride, ride a motorcycle real young. So I was like, I want to do this shit. I love movies. So I actually, um, I actually, when I was younger, I actually 
you know, um, it wasn't an online thing. You had to find these applications. So I actually went all the way to the city, went to the screen, I think it's called the Screen Actors Guild mm-hmm. office or whatever it was called, and found out how to, you know, I'm 16, 17 years old. What does it become to become a stuntman? Because I'm never going to get to Hollywood. We can't afford it. So I actually went that far, all while rapping, because you don't think hip-hop in 19, you know, sure, sure. 83 is going to really be... Yeah. Pop it, you know what I mean. Or, I don't or really. Or stick and stay. Or stick and they, stay. They thought you know it was mean? like a fad. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a fad because yeah. we was only listening to it an hour. If you wasn't listening to college radio, it was only on an hour a day on Saturday at midnight or something like that. That's the only time we can catch it. So you know these hip hop kids that's getting it all of over the internet and on your phone and you could download all this shit. That shit, y'all. This shit is like historic. We could only hear hip hop for an hour a day, and that's only in certain cities. And then there were certain stations like. It would play it on AM stations just because they didn't want it. So if you're going to listen to this shit, you got to listen to this shit on an AM station. So I was lucky. You know what I mean? So being being from here, man, listen, we we got the cream of the crop and we got it early. It was started here, so we got it real early. And being from Brooklyn, we wanted to go hear Cold Crush and, and, sure. and, and for some C's and, 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 and Treacherous. We sure. wanted to hear them, Doug and Slick and the Kango crew with Dana and all them. We wanted to go and hear them. You know what I mean? And they wanted to come to to Queens to hear the Queens rappers and the Brooklyn and Brooklyn rappers. So, yeah, so, hip hop so is deep. Stuntman didn't work out. Nah, I never fucking worked so, out. So I became so, a rapper. So, 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 where did you go from there? Like, um, who who was their first entry to even getting into the business? Like, what was your the Cold Crush? I heard those tapes. Those fucking tapes. Yo, I so heard the Cold Crush say tapes. That from that era, man. Yeah, the Cold it's Crush amazing tapes. Amazing how much influence there was. Yeah, right? shout out to Grandmaster Cat. I still speak to him to this day. It's mm-hmm. one, you know, just a, a Big good dude. Big sneaky guy too, man. Who Grandmaster Cat? Yeah. yeah, I love it. You know, he the got Air the forces. tours, yeah, tours yeah. going on. Yeah, and meeting him was just an honor. But yeah, those, those tapes and 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 like I said, flowers and and Fab Five and mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in a musical family, so. My aunt was in a group called Odyssey. They made a record called Native New Yorker mm-hmm. and, and, and Inside Out back in the 70s. That was my aunt. So um, God bless her. She passed away, Lillian Lopez. Um, my my mother's family, um, uh, her uncle played with Tito, Tito Puente in the band and sang background. So I had it all always coming. So sure. yeah, the Cold Crush probably, and like I said, the Foursome Seas, obviously Kumo D., Mm. Melly Mel, mm. just hearing those dudes on those tapes and then hearing the DJs from Brooklyn with the breaks. It was like, oh, okay, I could I could try this. And I, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up with DJ Clark Kent. Mm. So he DJed my 16th birthday party. So that's it. Clark has been around for everything. Clark, man. yeah, Clark is Clark grew up in the, we grew up in the same neighborhood a few blocks away. So Clark was actually the DJ in my rap group when I was in high school. So he What was the name of the group? Was, we would call it ultra deaf defying MCs. Um, you know, you always had to be either the magnificent yeah, or the sure, ultra sure. deaf defying <laughs> or the fucking tremendous. You know what I mean? You had to be something like that. Fucking the fantastic. Name, you know what I mean? So, um, but Clark was a couple years older than me, so he was already in the world. So he'd come back to the hood with all these stories and you know different things. So it was kind of inspirational in that sense too. Sure. You know what I mean? So you got somebody older than you that you fuck with is out here fucking with Herbie Lovebug and Salt and Pepper and all of them type of people and DJing and, and at the Union Square and at the Latin Quarters, you know what I mean? So so that's what I did. I ended up saying, I'm a rap and, I, and I'm going to fuck with Clark and I'm going to fuck with my boys around the way. We're going to do this group thing and I'm going to start rapping. I'm, so you never had any 
inkling of being a producer? You just wanted to rap? Yeah. I didn't even know what a producer was, to be honest with you. Like, I I knew who I liked, but I didn't know what a, actually a producer was. So, yeah, I just wanted to rap. And then as I moved on, I started realizing, oh, shit, there's... There's more to this shit than just sure. getting uh, on the mic. Parts, other yeah, parts other parts of the shit. I knew how, that there was a record making. I knew what a you know I know what a producer was, but I didn't actually know what it meant to be produced. Let me say it like that. I didn't. It's funny you that say meant. that because now I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to let the people know. Right. Okay, now we have right. to drop some 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 uh, gems on them. Okay, the like, gems. Let's do the gems. It's like you're sitting here saying, "Yo, I didn't even know what a producer is." And then as we sit here so many years later, can we name? Just go down the line. Can we name? Can we name? Can we okay, name, we name all the tracks? All the tracks. All the songs that you've been a part of producing. If whatever you remember, go down the line, and I want you to pause. I may play a, a, a little snippet of some of them. Oh, you could play music and all no, that. Not really. Not oh, too not really. Long. Okay, no, yeah, I got like you. Three, play seconds, three of seconds of it. Okay, cool. So, I mean, um, records that people know or don't know doesn't matter. Benjamin's hypnotized. <laughs> Money, power, respect during the bad boy days. Prior to that, I produced like Sugar, What's Up Star, the show soundtrack. Um, me and Ron Lawrence did a Rock Kim song. Um, can't remember the title of it. Um, Whitney Houston record. Um, I was a part of How to Rob with 50 Cent. Yo, I, I, uh, let's let's stop, stop there, there for a matter. second. Okay, let's stop there. Stop let's stop there. there. Right. Stop how did there. how did this how to rob come? How did you come about to be a part of that? This industry niggas is starting to look like something to eat. I snatched Kim, tell Puff, you want to see her again? Dance your ass down to the nearest ATM. I have dreams of fucking the R and B bitch, but I wake up early and bounce with all the shit when I apply pressure. Well, that's a crazy story. And shout out to Rich Nice. Mm. You know Rich Nice? Mm. I, I don't know him. I know of him. Okay, Rich Nice. Shout out Rich Nice. So both 50 and myself were signed to Columbia at the time. I think this is 98, 99, around there. We got deals at Columbia. 50 is there. They try to figure out what to do with them, whatever. <clears throat> I'm D-Dot now, so I'm writing hooks, and I'm known for writing hooks and producing and whatever, whatever. So um, I got Jimmy Rosemond's studio down on 25th Street, right? I'm holding his studio down, and I'm there like 2 in the morning. And I get a phone call, maybe 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, maybe. I get a phone call from Rich. D-Dot, I got this record, and we can't come up with a hook. I need a hook. Rich, I'm about to go the fuck home, man. I'm tired. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Please, please, it's raining. Rich Savage gets over to the studio and plays the record, and it's the How to Rob record, the original version of it, because it has some lines in it that 50 ended up changing. Um so I hear the record. I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Like, it's a mad rapper record. Sure. And I'm mad rapper. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. This is hot. Does he know he's going to get in trouble for this? Like, I don't know who he is. I never met him. So I write the chorus right there because I got my own studio. And that chorus was, what did it say? This, this ain't, ain't serious. serious. Being broke can make you delirious. This So, like, in other words, like, take him serious, but don't take him too serious because he's not really trying to do what he's saying, but don't test him either. You know what I mean? Being broke, because we talking about we broke. Being broke, it's perfect for both of us. It's perfect. So I laid a hook. They take it to him. Still don't know who he is. <laughs> I never met him. So uh, we do a hook. 
I mean, we do, we do. The, I do the hook. They take it. They love it. They tell me, okay, great. Now we sitting on the record for a few months. So I why say, is that? why? Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. Poke and Tone are running Columbia at this time. I don't know if you remember all the shit that's yeah. going on. Yeah. Loud is over there now. Pun Raekwon. Everybody's over there now. So they don't know what's going on. I'm getting ready to drop my Mad Rap album. So I go to them and say, Yo, let me use it on my album. Mm. They not dropping fifty album. You heard the story. They wasn't dropping his album sure, and all sure. other shit. So I was like, Let me use it on my album. Everybody thinks it's a great idea. Next thing we know, we get a a, 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 a call or something. They're going to put it on this soundtrack called In Too Deep. Mm. No, don't do that. We don't, soundtracks, that ain't, mm-mm, no. Columbia decides to put on a soundtrack. It was all downhill from there. Me and 50 went on the road. Me and 50 got cool. We did our promo tours. Wait, wait, wait you can't just go there. What, you, you never met him. You did the hook. Right. When's the first time you met him? <clears throat> and what did you say to him? Because... He had to be happy with, with, with even though it didn't, the song didn't come out the way he wanted to, shit was fire. It, it was fire. The first, the, the, I, if I recall, the first time we met was at a rehearsal to perform the record mm. for a Columbia event or something like that. I, I think that's the first time we met. I got to recall. Maybe he could tell you, but I think that's what I recall, meeting him. I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I recall. So we met, congratulations, wow, shit's hot, I know who you are, I know who you are now, sure, boom, sure. boom. But afterwards, I finally, you know, learned more from Jay, Jam Master Jay and all that, who he was and blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool, we got it now. Um, and that was it. And and then we ended up you were supposed going to on the road. You said you go on road, right? Right, we were supposed to go on the road, so we did. We hit the road, we did a few cities together, we did all the tunnel, we did the... How the, was the response to 50? Because um, a lot of people didn't even know who he was at the time. And they still didn't. It was still a New York East Coast record. It still hadn't resonated yet. So that's why we had to hit the road. You know what I mean? So we hit the road. We never filmed a video for the record. That was the other first, the other problem. And it, it, like I said, it was kind of downhill from there. If we'd have shot a video for that record, it might have been monstrous. Now you think the label didn't just want to shoot a video? I just think at that time it was just too much going on. They wasn't ready for none of us. So everybody ended up le- leaving. Loud left, 50 sure, left, sure. I left. Everybody sure. ended up leaving. So it was just a bad time for hip-hop at that label at the time. You know what I'm saying? Was anybody Nas mad? was the main focus in Laurel sure, Hill. In sure. Hill, yeah. Was anybody mad at that song? Oh, yeah. Pun, like Puff? Did Puff get pun, mad? Puff didn't get mad. Pun was mad. God bless him. Missy said something to me. <laughs> she was mad. You? She was like, die, what the fuck? You know, she got over it. You know, Missy a professional. So, you know, um, Jay obviously was mad. Yeah, yeah. Jay spanked him. You know, yeah. he said, matter of fact, Jay called me while he was on Angie Martinez's show. And I was on the air with him around that time. He said, you know, I got to spank your man. And I was like, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, did you like the record though? Like, come yeah, on, like yeah, let's yeah. let's go there. Like, yeah, yeah. come on, everybody that's mad. My question was always, but did you like the record? You know what I mean? Like, even with the mad rapper, even when I hate on people and they would say, "Oh, was you talking about this person, that person, this person?" I was like, "Nah," but did you think it was funny? That's all I really want to give a fuck. Mm-hmm. The end result is what we trying to get accomplished here. So yeah, you know, did, at that about. time, did Fifty even care that if people got mad? I don't. I didn't know him like that. But when you went on tour with him, he didn't speak about the record or anything? Nah, we didn't. He, he, nah, he didn't give a fuck. He had Yayo with him. I got videos of it. I got videos of us at the tunnel. They and, were kind of cam- and, and, old yeah, camcorders. Yeah, I had one of them old camcorders. I got all them videos. Um, he wasn't who he is now, obviously. But, sure. but but he definitely, you know, you could see the smarts. You mm. could see that he was already 10 steps ahead of everybody else that was around him. That you could see. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I've been blessed to be around those type of people. But he wasn't on some like you know fuck everybody. They don't. You know, he wasn't on it like that. He was like they'll get me. Mm. 
Mm. You know what I mean? They'll get me. But they like the record. And that's all I gave a fuck about. I mean, I, f- I feel like that uh, was the entry for him. Even though that record took a long time to cook and it was fire, mm. that was the entry for 50. I mean, it was like, I ain't hear somebody come at so many people on one track like that, man. And it was dope. You know, and it, it was funny it had, the, it had the Biggie, it, it, it used the, the same shit Biggie used yeah, for yeah. Dreams of Fucking yeah. R&B Bitch, so it was already set up. Yeah, he did a great job. It was great. And I think I, all I did was just add the final piece that you can, this ain't serious. He did the very, I, I wasn't there for that. You know, you, you we spoke about producing, and you said you didn't even know about, what, you know, how a producer does or whatever, and then you go on to make so many legendary tracks. At that time, how did you even know, like, you own publishing for your, how did you know? Like, how did you, how did you not get jerked? Like, you know what I mean? So many people got jerked back then. I did get jerked as a rapper. I remember I was in a group called Two Kings and a Cypher in the early 90s. <laughs> so Two Kings and a Cypher, we signed away our publishing at the beginning. You know what I mean? Because we just didn't know. I got a $20,000 check. I almost ran out the house naked like fucking, what's the name from Friday? Talking about, yeah, what's the name? Uh, uh, Smokey. Yeah, Smokey. Yeah. Like, remember yeah. when they gave him the bad yeah, shit? Yeah, he was yeah, smoking. Yeah, yeah, I was dust, fucking, yeah. yeah, I was fucking running around like, 20 grand, what the fuck? What did, what did I was you smoking, do? I was bought sneakers, weed, I was drinking. I just tricked that shit away probably eight days. That shit probably was gone. <laughs> eight fucking days. Like, oh, it was 20 shit. grand. It was nothing. But, yeah, so, um, Really didn't have no, you know. Really didn't have no, no. Who did you deal at that time? Was it? Uh... Uh, I don't even remember, man. That shit was nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, so I don't remember. But yeah, we t- gave our publishing away after we got dropped. Realized what we did, got it back, fought for it, got it back, and never turned back since. Mm. You know what I mean? Don't don't have no problem with people that you know do publishing deals because it, it's it's a very beneficial business. Um, if 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 you understand what you're getting into. You know what I'm saying? Um, songwriters, <clears throat> I, I would always suggest a songwriter to do a publishing deal if they're set up for it to benefit them. See, some people just do a publishing deal and then there's no work. How is so it makes when no you sense. say set up to benefit? How 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 was that like? How was it set up to benefit them? Like, what would that mean? What would that be for somebody listening who may not know? Well, uh, yeah, if in order to get a publishing deal, you have to have work. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, not to get a publishing deal, but in order to benefit from a publishing deal, you have to have the work. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Or a potential for the work. So if you're a songwriter and there are people actively trying to get at you for your songs, you may not even wrote a hit yet, but you're actively in the studio with people. They like your flow. They like how you get for down. Sure. Somebody may see you and say, okay, there's a there's a potential pipeline for you down the line because you're in the rooms with all these people getting your game on. Eventually... You know, if you think a law averages, you may get one. Not necessarily one that changes your life, not a we are the world, but just one that gets you more work. So in that case, <clears throat> but in order to get that work, you might need a little boost of some income. Like, how can I get to L.A. and get with these writers? I mean, get to with these producers if I ain't got no bread. So a publishing deal in that sense would work. Now it's up to your lawyer to, to say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to make sure you get a great deal because if you're able to pipeline this music out there is what we call a, a avenue, a stream of income for you is a pipeline. I got a pipeline of people that I can write and songs are going to come out. So that's when a publishing deal benefits you. Now, there are people that just take a publishing deal, never put out no record, and they just take that advance and turn it into more money, you know, hustler style. But if you're a real true songwriter and you get a publishing deal and you don't have no way to get no work, then that publishing deal didn't do nothing for you. Sure. You're stuck in it for the rest of your fucking life. You know what I'm saying? You'll never get out of it. So it's... 
it's, it's all relative to who you are, what you're doing. Like when people say 360 deals are bad. Yeah, they can be in a lot of instances, but when you think about it, if you do a smart 360 deal, every piece you're giving up in any business, they got to pay you for that. So if you're giving up your merchandise, they got to give you a check for your sure, merchandising. Sure. If you're giving up your publishing, they got to give you a check for your publishing. And then there has to be a way for eventually you to get it back mm. if you're smart. You, they, they're going to set up obstacles for you, but if you have a way to uh, get over those obstacles and those hurdles— then it works out in your best interest because you can start all over. Think about somebody like Michael Jackson turning around and borrowing, <clears throat> what did he borrow, $110 million or $100 million against his catalog or something like that because he's saying in 10 years my catalog is going to make triple that anyway so I can borrow against it. It's always knowing kind of ahead of the time where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a producer, when you, you asked me the question with publishing as a producer, I knew um, – getting my publishing back would help because eventually if I get back in this thing, I'm going to have many ways to get my songs out there from writing the hooks, producing the beats or actually performing them myself. Cause I did all three. You know what I mean? I'm one of those producers. You mentioned young kid getting 20 grand, spent it in eight days, right? I was 20 years old. Publishing is something that still is, is in your life to today. You right. know, like ask, was at, that's my 401k. Called, uh, that's my ASCAP. Four, at, no, ASCAP is your, um, it's a performance rights agency. That those are the people that trace your money on the radio and movies and you stuff still like get, that. I'm sure you get. Oh yeah, checks, every yeah. three every three months. You, you get ever a get check. you ever get a check that really, um, you know, uh, blew your mind like that? Really, like you know, was able to make you do something uh, a little bit more than normal. Oh yeah, absolutely. I got you mean from a publishing from check? publishing check. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got. I got one of those checks where your eyes start twitching. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You like, and, and, and were you, you able like, to did like, this shit just happen? I was able to just buy a house. Buy a house, yeah. yeah just, just now, buy a now, house. now, honestly, in, in hip hop, I feel like, and sometimes just a lot of like New York shit, we don't celebrate all our, um, you know, sometimes things pass us up and then we're like, oh shit, we really didn't celebrate it. When you bought a house, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? It's a big deal. You, you, bought, it, you bought it from your hustle. Right. From your deal. creativity, right? Right. From your blood, sweat, and tears. Anything you did. I'm sure you traveled. You did tons of shit for your kids. You right. know what I mean? Like, you ever celebrate your wins? Probably not the way you would always like to. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, you know, I I can't lie and say I haven't enjoyed the fruits of the labor. Is that, is that the term? Mm-hmm. Sure, fruits sure, of sure. your labor. Um, and people around me have. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. It's um, it's interesting you ask that because I'm about to be 50, and I keep saying I feel unaccomplished, even though I'm well past what my initial goal was. You know what I mean? Mm. So right now it's like I'm I'm dealing with. If you put it in sports analogy, now I'm just dealing with padding my stats type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. almost, almost from other people because I don't walk around calling myself a legend or you know you did this, you did that. Sure, sure. From other people, it comes from. So okay, so I made a mark. So now it's time to make a mark in something else. Sure. But I don't have to continually try to, you know, continue in the music business to continue just fucking just do more, do more, do more. I don't feel that pressure. So I feel like. You know, why I can actually sit back and enjoy an interview like this and somebody like you, when you ask a question, it's like 
you actually coming from a, a, a place of like you really want to know. So I'm like, wow, I did something. So I, I enjoyed it a little bit, but I moved past it. Like I got I'm, another I'm, one I'm, for I'm, you. I'm, I'm by, I'm, I got I'm another here. one for yeah, you, go, D-Dot. Go. You've been in so many rooms, been around so many people, done so many things. Looking back, as you get older, and I've learned this from you over the years, like, you know, you you valued these things that you've been a part Absolutely. of. Absolutely. What has been some of the like, greatest moments, man? Like, that you sit back now and be like, damn, man, like, like maybe it was the night, you you know, you made Hypnotize, or maybe it was the night you made All About the Benjamin. Yeah. It's all about the what y'all want to do? Want to be ballers, shot callers, brawlers, we'll be dipping in the bins with the spoilers. So maybe it was the night, I don't know, but what I'm saying is this moment you look back, and I'm sure it was growing up your kids, you know what I'm saying, and watching them grow up. But I'm talking about in hip-hop, in this business, or any moment where, you know, maybe you were in Bahamas making a fucking song. I don't know. Right. I you, mean, you have some been, high moments? Yeah, yeah, I mean, first time hitting Madison Square Garden stage, mm. that was incredible. What'd you do that with? Um, the first time I did it with was Puff. Mm. Second time was with Jay-Z mm. on the Puff show, I mean, on Jay-Z's show, doing Black Rob when he, him and R. Kelly, you remember that year? Him and R. Kelly got into something and Jay had to get some replacements to come in so he called Puff and Buster. Everybody last minute. Got was, up, R. Kelly all, right up out here with that mace. Ty Ty said, right, right, right. And we all jumped on the stage and did a show and, and we did it like Newark and we did, um, I mean, I don't know, whatever, Giant Stadium and we did Matt. So that was a highlight. Um, you know, meeting and talking with Quincy Jones was a highlight mm. because of, you know, musical, musical. We have musical conversation because this is a man who can write out all the hip hop sure, songs. Sure. You know, with musical notes, and he's been in jazz and band era, and he just went through some of my idols, working with some of the people mm, that so I many. imagine. You know what I mean? That I would love to have worked with. So it's been a lot of moments. Obviously, you know, um, being around big. You know, when you're around him, then you you, you know he's nice, but you don't realized that in 2018 we're talking about him like Hank Aaron type of thing like a Jackie Robinson sure. type of thing like you know we're talking about him in that you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar type of status type so shit, very you know listenable mean? man still still I mean Big was so ahead of his time yeah I mean you yeah. listen to but I was showing um I was showing my man Isaiah I was showing him uh Young G's um, and I was showing him, um, I love the dough. He did not, he's from Atlanta. He moved to Brooklyn. He, he's a younger kid. Mm. He didn't know what he's tracked. Right. When I showed him, he was like, yo, this just sounds like, like, you, would you think this is so many years ago? Big is, was ahead of his time. The way he jumped on a, a song, the way he spit, the words he used, th- this shit was undeniably a head nod. You know what I mean? Undeniably. And he was, and he was probably one of the greatest students of hip hop. That's the part that the kids don't What know. makes you say that? Well, when I first met him, I reached my hand out to shake his hand. And he said, I know who you are. Like, he shook my hand, but it was like, you ain't got to introduce me to. I watch Video Music Box. I know who mm-hmm. Two Kings and Cypher is. I know who mm-hmm. you are, DOP. Even though he never <laughs> called me that, he called me Derek. You know what I mean? Like, but so he was just a student. He loved hip hop. Um, but the I think his most incredible. Quality, you know, quality that I was most attracted to as a A and R and a producer is that he was coachable. Mm-hmm. I think every great person, in my opinion, that becomes great. Well, you know, 
the premise is no general was a general before they were soldier. So that's the same concept. To me, any great person, and this is my humble opinion, they have to be coachable mm. to grab those jewels. Because you know how I many people, I always hear this story, you know, I always hope people say, well, if this person wouldn't have, if Biggie wouldn't have died, Jay wouldn't have been this. You know, that's a bunch of bullshit. There was 10 people in line to take that, that crown. Mm. Who would you say who? Jay-Z. No, to I'm take Biggie's who, who, crown. I'm telling you to take to, when Biggie died. How many other people would you say? How many other people yeah. at the time Biggie died yeah. that that had a platform of being great rappers from Method Man to the three guys in the Wu to Nas to to Jay Z to you know uh, Fat Joe and and I mean people that were just really knocking at the time West Coast rappers and East Coast rappers sure. Snoop Dogg and there was something about Hove that just you know, just, and I equate that to the, the, the coachability, the education side of it, the, mm. the, the knowledge that he was able to absorb and then execute. That's you, a, that takes a special skill, skill. That's a coachable person. Were you in any sessions that Jane Big did? Like, uh, of course, I was. I um, A&R the whole. I was, in the, oh, that's right. I was in A and R the whole. So Young G, Puffy they were album. together. No, that Big was, that Big was, was no, dead young by G's then. Was, um, Big was dead by then. No way out. Right. Big was dead by yeah. we, That was an old verse from Big. Um, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn's Finest Quark was for that, right? Right, uh, I wasn't there for that. Uh, I was there for a Kick, uh, I Love the Dough, and you know that. And they were in the same it. room? Of course. And and uh, how much how much did, how much did respect would you say like Big had for Jay? Like, you know, was it? Ultimate respect and vice versa. I mean, they were getting ready to do a commission album and all of that. Mm. They were tight. You know, they went to high school together mm. as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was also that Brooklyn thing. It was a Brooklyn thing, and it was a friendly competition. You know, it's just like if you go on a basketball court, me and you could walk from our building together. We could walk to the store together, dribble the ball together, go get our juice. But if we get to the court, we're on opposite teams. We're trying to bust your ass. Mm. Period. End of story. <laughs> Is that See, not right? I'm trying nah, to bust nah, your nah, motherfucking right, ass. I feel like that shit don't exist anymore. I'm trying to bust your so motherfucking true. ass, and then we're going to go back, walk back to that same store, go get another juice, go back up into the building, go do what we, you know, smoke a L, play video game, what we going to do. That's how boys did it. And they was tight, but, you know, on a record, of course, you can tell on both sides, in any, to this day, I'm trying to bust your motherfucking ass mm. on this track. I need you to know. I, bust, I want people to say, I bust his ass. Period. End of story. I crushed them. Mm. Whether they believe it or not, you know, you ask any MC, they never got outdone on their own track. You know what I'm saying? You look at something like Benjamins. All about the Benjamins. Yeah. I mean, legendary. Is it? Classic. Of course it is. <laughs> I'm just How's an, I mean, I know you fucking know, but <laughs> did yeah. you fucking know that that night? I did. Was it that night? Was it during the day? How long was the process? Take us through it was a six, how it was a six-day process. Mm -hmm. I made the beat and then rapped on it for six days before I let anybody hear it mm -hmm. because I was an MC. I couldn't believe that something's this simple. I could write this many bars. Just I was writing anything. I made that beat in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. So I, nobody even heard it for three, four days after I made it. I'd go up because we had this thing called the Caribbean Sound Basin in Trinidad and we had three floors and I was on the top floor in this little ass room probably about this big. Maybe yep, just about this big. And it was nobody else was up there with me. I got my weed, I got my drink, 
I got my equipment, my records, my turntable, and that's all I needed. I made the beat. I'm looking around like, damn, this shit is like, there's only six tracks. Mm. It's the sample, a kick, a snare, a reverse, a little scratch. It's over. It's done. And I love it. I don't want to do nothing else to it. And I'm writing to it. Come back the next day. I can't let nobody hear this shit yet. I'm going to write some more bars. I made some more beats. Came back to it. Next day. I'm writing some more shit. Like, this shit is crazy. Finally, I let them hear it. We must have listened to that shit for 10 hours. Well, you know what you say about them? You got Puff here? Puff, Stevie J, Ron Lawrence, Nasheen Myrie, because we were all in Trinidad together. Carlos Brody. What was their reaction? Same. I mean, to be honest with you, everybody's reaction was dope, but we made a lot of beats out there. We made a lot of songs out there. So, But who, who, who figured to put who on that beat? Like, who, who was thinking, like, yo, we should, you know, get this person. We should get this person. I mean, I, it was just me and Puff. That's mm-hmm. all that was making those records was just me and Puff. So every everything you're hearing was a co- collaboration between me and Puff in some way, shape, or form. I mean, it was he, he's driving the ship, but I'm I'm taking the orders and executing. And sometimes I, I'll take things in my own hands because sometimes dealing with Puff, you know, or anybody who's the boss... They want things their way, but that don't necessarily mean it's always the right way. Mm-hmm. Don't necessarily mean that. You still mean have a good relationship with Puff? Great relationship. You know, and I'm sure you just bumped heads, right? Oh, yeah, to this day we but, still bump heads on things, yeah. How, 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 did, how did the relationship last for so long and still so powerful as well, a friendship? We, we met in college, so mm-hmm. our relationship. Howard? Yeah, Howard University. So okay. H-U? I, I Is that relate, the real H-U? H-U, that's the real H-U. Okay. H-U? You so... Me and Puff go back way before Bad Boy started. So, you know, we were friends before that. And then we had a, a level of success together in history. So that bonds you regardless, you know, when you have a certain level of success. And then, you know, obviously he had things that he did. I have things that I've done. And you move on past those things. And and we had kids pretty much, you know, same year or next year he had Justin, I had mm-hmm. Lexus, it's like Big had, had had CJ, you know what I mean? It was like we were just doing some of the same things simultaneously. So, and we never really had a, a, a we never really had no m- major issues except when, the, you know, the news went out about the Mad Rapper. We never really had no issues to where we, and if we did, we no mountain we could never get over. Were you, you know older than Puff? Uh, just by a year. Okay. Yeah, just by a year. Did, would you, you feel that, uh, you learned a lot from Puff? Absolutely. Would you Absolutely. say what some of the things are that you learned from him? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, just kind of just staying on the task at hand, like getting the job done. Like, you know what I mean? Like True. focus in an unfocused world, in an unfocused situation. There's a way to channel your energy into getting the task done because everything else is really within you, whether what you want, how you want it, do you really want it? You know, when somebody said, you don't want it because you ain't working hard enough, whatever, whatever, whatever. My thing was never passion. My thing was, can I multitask and get something shit really done efficiently? The answer was no. So the answer for me was, what I learned was, oh, you know, if, I, if I'm passionate about something, I should really focus in on it and, and, and maybe become a, instead of a jack of all trades, maybe just become a master of this shit, get my degree in this, then I can move on. You know, him, he was able to delegate and move a lot of things at the same time. That wasn't my skill set. My skill set was you give me a job or give me two jobs, I'm going to crush them shits. But four, 
something's gonna slip through the cracks. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Period. End of story. No, I get That's it. Just I get me. it. You know what I'm saying. Period. I get it. Yeah, yeah. You know. You know. It's funny. We we speak about you know all the all, all the um, songs that you produced, all right. the things you've been involved in. One thing I that we I didn't even ask you. How the fuck did you even learn how to use this equipment? Like, how did you become a producer? Like, how did you even know what the fuck to do? Well, using the equipment ain't producing. Let's start okay, there. No, I, I don't know that. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm doing quick education. There we go. My education in, in, in track making, making the track, comes from Ron Lawrence. Mm. Ron Lawrence, from the days we were in college, because he also went to Howard. You know, our Howard crew was thick. Mark Pitts, Hoff Pierre, Puffy, myself, Ron Lawrence. Tracy Lee, Hock Islam, Chris mm. Latimer that mm. started African-American college, Raz Baraka, mayor of Newark, Kasim Reed, yeah. mayor of Atlanta, well, former mayor of Atlanta, and many, and, and, and countless others that went to school with us, Anthony Anderson, Taraji, Taraji Henson, you know, all these people, Howard University Fuck. people. And these are people that are names. I mean, if I can name all the behind-the-scenes people, you know what I'm saying, A.J. Calloway, mm-hmm. different people. Anyway, long short, um, Ron was the Dr. Dre of our side, meaning in in his technical sense. Everything was clean, all his sounds, everything. I'm grimy. Ron don't drink, he don't smoke. I'm grimy. I'm 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 smoking, I'm drinking, I'm sloppy. Ron gets up at six in the morning. He's in bed by nine, ten o'clock. I'm exaggerating, but you know, I'm up till four or five. So Ron showed me all the little things to get all this shit in my head out. After you smoke, you got all these sounds and all this shit in here. He showed me how to do it. So, and then I'd fuck up and erase his files and do all types of shit. He'd scream at me and yell at me, but he knew that I was on to something because it's in my head. I just got to get it out because then I also write. So once I get it out, I'm going to write the hook for it. I'm going to write the verse for it. So I was one of those producers. When I gave you a beat, I wasn't just giving you the beat. I was giving you the hook for it and everything, kind of giving you direction. That's why when I met Pharrell in the Neptunes, I was so impressed because that's how they gave us music for Mesa's album. You know what I mean? So I'll get to that. But that's how I learned how to get get that out. Then once I learned to get that out, that was half the battle. And I still got to go into the studio and I could take your beat or your beat and you might not even make a hotter record than I can make over it as a producer because I may know how to take this songwriter, that musician, put a nice bass on it, do this. You may not know how to do all that, and you made the track. Mm. So that don't make you the producer of the overall song. So we get it misconstrued. The producer of the song itself is the person we're looking at. Who put all of this together? Who took the beat, the song? It's like a composer? It's like a, well, not a composer. It's just the music side of it. Mm. But the composer might not be the person that knows to put this, this writer, producer, singer, drummer, all in the same room and make them talk to each other to the point where we get a finished result. That's the producer of the song. Not the person who walked in with the track because if all we had to do was walk in with the track, we'd all be multi-million. I'd be on Angeletti Island right now somewhere if all I do is walk in with tracks and shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just a track. You know what I mean? Like, what else can you do? Can you coach these vocals? Can you show the young lady how to do this? Can you take the track and mix it right? Can you add the proper things that's going to make it what it needs to be? In a lot of cases, the answer is no. Mm. I just did the track in my basement. I'm going to wait for y'all to make the record, send it back to me so I can run around and say I produced the track. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Have a nice day. (laughs) A lot of producers will tell you straight up and down. 
working on Biggie's album. They heard their records after I finished them. Mm. Mm. After I finished them, they dropped their track off. Even Biggie. When you hear them interludes on Biggie's album, the shit with the... So after the bitch shits, after shits on the bitch and Faith and all them, he's really in L.A. He's really in L.A. I got the phone speaker under a mic just like this. That's me going, I'm going to get you, motherfucker. I'm going to get you, baby. Watch your back. That's me, right? Biggie's really... So that means Biggie didn't even hear his album when it was finished. He had, I mean, he heard it when it was after it was done, but he wasn't even there for what had to happen. So the guy who makes the track and the artist ain't there after they do their parts. How did the going, going back, back to Cali, how did all that happen? How did all DMC get on, you know what I'm saying, um, on 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 these tracks? How did Angela Wimbush come in and sing on that part? Somebody had to do that. Mm. That's the producer. That's the Puffy. That's the D-Dots. That's the Jermaine Dupree's. That's the Dr. Dre's. Mm. That may not necessarily always make the track. Like, what's that? B-A-S-F. We don't necessarily make whatever it is. We just make it better. That's what a producer is, in my humble opinion. Now, when you made those ad-libs and stuff like that, when you said, like, uh, that exact track where it's like, I'm going to get you, motherfucker. Right. Nobody said like what are you doing or or you know nah we don't you know it was that your full creative uh, control it was that was that i could big all all i had to do was call big on the phone say yo the album be calling y'all they was out shopping him c's and d-rock and all them the the week he died or the couple of weeks he was out in la they out shopping he did one of them interludes from the car Mm. on the cell phone they were in the car driving. They just turned the music down. He driving. What you need me to do? All right, I'm going to talk to you about this interlude. He'd be like, yeah, all right, cool, yeah. So I was talking to this bitch about it, this bitch. Blah, blah, blah. So after I shit saw the bitch, you hear me start laughing. You hear me yeah, laugh yeah, because yeah, it was, yeah. I didn't. he just did it out of nowhere. We didn't plan that. He just said that shit out of nowhere. So after I shit saw the bitch, she said shit on me. So I'm laughing in the back. He said, yeah. I'm like, so he said, yeah. So after I shit saw, I start laughing. So all that shit was on the on the on the cuff. And once we got it on tape, then we could listen to it and edit what we needed to edit. The original Mad Rapper interlude was three and a half minutes long. Mm-hmm. The original one, I mean, it ain't, it ain't on that, that long on the album. But the original one that's on tape, so when that shit three and a half minutes, the girl stuck kept talking. Like who the fuck is that? Who is you? Who is you to keep talking to that? I kept going in on her, mm-hmm. but we faded it. Like the, you know what I'm saying, and went into kicking the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, legendary internet. Uh, we're gonna take a break here, okay? I want you to uh, put on a mad rapper. Put, uh, search YouTube, search iTunes, search Apple, search uh, Apple Music, title, whatever it is. Check out, get get familiar with some of these tracks. Get yeah. familiar with some. Check of out the- D. Dot Angeletti's catalog. Oh man, it, 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 the it, crazy cat catalog. It's a long one. Internet's we're sitting here with the legendary Derek D. Dot Angeletti. Okay? Shit, is John more John Blazing that? More John Blazing that, baby. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Cheer. What's up, Internet? This is Ed Woods. You're tuned in to the Premium Pete Show. Internet's we're back sitting here with my guy, my friend, yes. Derek. Mr. D. Dot Angeletti. My friend. Yo, what the fuck is D. Dot? What is that? D. Dot comes from D.O.P. My name in Two Kings and the Cypher was D. Dot O. Dot P. Dot, and it stood for the Deliverer of Prophecy. Because yeah. we was in two kings of the cipher. So I used to spell my name out. Well, I'm the D to the dot to the O to the dot. You catch the speed, not rock, whatever type mm-hmm. of dumb shit I was saying back then. And I remember people would say that 
that particular line. I'm the D to the dot. And one day Tracy Lee kept calling me that. Girls would be like, hi, D dot. Hi, mm-hmm. D dot. I, I liked it. I was like, and nobody else was using it. Now I see all types of dots, man. It's like, mm. God damn, could I have something to myself? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, I'll tell you one thing. It, 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 it grew a life of its own, and it has lasted so many. Think about it. Like It stuck with you. Yeah, you know it stuck I mean? with me. It yeah, stuck it with stuck you all with the way here. I'm here, yeah. You know, when we were on break, you mentioned about all about the Benjamins. Yeah. You're talking about how how many things big did in L.A. Did some ad libs in L.A. for right. the album. Right. You said that uh, he taped that verse. What you said two days before he passed. Yeah, what big big laid um, victory. Mm-hmm. He laid um, the Benjamins, and he laid another song which I can't recall off the top of my head. In L.A. the week he died. Mm-hmm. I heard those songs the night the day he died that morning in his hotel room for the first time. Because I played him that same night, Little Kim's version on the Benjamins, which he had never heard. So the plan was, we were already planning on remixing the Benjamins before he passed. And we were putting Little Kim on it. We put a hook on it. The original didn't have no hook on it. It was just Puff and the locks. No hook, no nothing. And it just faded after, I think, uh, uh, Sheik or one of them went off. That was it. Later on, down the line, we would get ready to remix it. So I put Little Kim on it. She rapped on the original, and Big rapped on the original. You said he heard it. Who? He heard Little Kim's uh, verse. Yeah, I played him Little Kim's verse. He what heard it. He response? heard his whole album before he died. He loved it. We listened to it like 40 times. We had breakfast. We smoked L's. It's just 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. Me, Mark Pitts, him, D-Rock, C's at his hotel room. <clears throat> we, um, and then he played me victory. I went crazy. You know what I mean? So I think your, your partner had asked me about the beat changing. Well, like I said, he rapped over the original Benjamins, but when he passed, you know, Puff wanted to do something special for him. You know, he was like, we got to do something special. We can't just drop this with just like this. So I was like, all right, you know, give me a day or two. Let me figure something out. And I came up with that piece, the second piece that, you know what I mean? And then Stevie J got on it and added all the extra bass to give it the extra thump. So when when it came on, it just sounded like a fucking you know, avalanche, mm. and then we ended it, all about the Benjamins, then back to the original. It was just a moment. We gave Biggie a moment in time that was going to be historic, you know what I mean? Because he deserved it, you know what I mean? How how um, how legendary and how tough was that week and that funeral, you know, for so many people? Because, you know, you look wow. at it, people people ain't from here. They see, like, that funeral was a movie. Yeah, it was you know, crazy. of uh, 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 him coming down the block, uh uh, uh, of, of people just blasting Biggie. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you recall how tough that was for everybody? Yeah, it was real tough. I mean, just simply because when he was only 24 years old, I mean, think about it. Let's think about this. Let's let's put it in perspective. You're talking about a kid 19 years old to 24 years old in a five-year span made Ready to Die, Little Kim's album, Junior Mafia album, and a double album. Did Martin, Michael Jackson, uh, had a clothing line. Mm. And this is all before he's 24 years old. Remember, he was on Martin. Remember, he did a song with Michael Jackson. He won awards. All this happened from 1993 to 1997. Mm -hmm. So four years, five albums, plus all the guest appearances on other records. The impact was like, holy fuck. You know what I'm saying to you? And I'm talking about from not just radio record, I'm talking about classic street shit. Dreams of fucking R&B, bitch. Who shot you? Warning. Mm. 
Mm. You know what I mean? So it was hard because it was like, this cannot be happening. Especially because Pac was only 25 when he died, which was the year before. So shit was just not computing at all. But the the love that you saw, the way Brooklyn came out, was like, oh, my God, this is this is beyond, you know, believable here. This is unbelievable. You know, you were part of a, a legendary um, crew, the Hitmen. Yeah. You know, at a time, um, you know, they were the go-to people. People, right. people were like, well, yo, we, we, we need the Hitmen. Yeah, have check. We'll travel. What what happened with that? How did that just, you know, not like stand its time? Is it is it people getting along? People doing their own things? You hit it right on the head. It's, it's everything. Time, the artists, uh, Puff. You know, with with you know, at the end of the day, it was all based on how he was moving. Um, the acts themselves, um, the in house fighting, money, publishing. You know, not getting paid, uh, the chicks, the drugs, Fox. The, the drugs, the the the, you know, the, the the money issues, you know, the the debts and the baby mama dramas and the the jail and the religion. I mean, shit, you name it, it was there, just like any other thing. You know, nothing is meant to last. Let's 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 start there. Yeah. You know, you blessed if you're able to have your friends and your family around you through these crazy journeys, and you keep the same crew and the same people around you for a long period of time. I mean, the best of them, they may have one or two people from the original camp, but ninety percent of the crew is all new people that you just learn to love later on down the line. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's just in any business, and you know, nobody expected this shit to last for a hundred years. I mean, Bad Boys Rasa was crazy. And you had your hand on so many yeah. of, of different artists. Yeah. What when was the first time you met Mace? <laughs> Me and Mace talk about this shit all the time. Mace was the best. I met Mace and he walked into the studio at Daddy's house first time I met him. And he was so Harlem, you know, Harlem they're very you know what I mean? And I was just the exact opposite. And I guess the engineer wasn't ready and he was like, Yo, listen, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm you know, you know, I'm on the clock type of shit. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Mace was an early bird, but one thing I give Mace credit for was another person who saw the picture before it was done. On you know, usually on time, usually had his bars ready. Flows was you know, incredible. Was he coachable? Very coachable. Extremely coachable, you know. At certain times the valedictorian. Mm, mm, mm. What what what's some of your favorite track tracks that you made with him? I made Feel So Good. Mm-hmm. I made um, Twenty Four Hours to Live. Mm. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Yeah, Twenty Four Hours to Live with Nasheem and Carlos. You had Twenty Four Hours to Live. Just think, where would you go? What would you do? Who would you screw? Feel so good. Oh. Bad, 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 bad boy. Yeah. You make me. I did the intro song, the um, Do You Want to Get Money With Us? Do You Want to Do You Want to Get Money With Us? I did the Mad Rap in Lou. And then on the second album, I did one song. I forgot the name of it, but, you know, he was in a different direction then. But, yeah, Mace was, Mace was, Mace was a credible talent, still is a credible talent. We still keep in contact to this day. We still talk. I still, he still sends me records. He's still super humble. He still gets it. You know, 
Mace is a when the red lights on dude. Mm. You know when the red lights on. Yeah, sure he's on. Yeah, you know he said he do it for TV. Remember? <laughs> but when it's off, you know you'd be surprised at the knowledge and the the wisdom and the and the growth in the young dude. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's incredible to see. You know what I mean? So he's definitely a coachable artist. Definitely historic because he's another one of them guys in a small moment of time. You could see the 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 fruit that came off of his branch from record making. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The the mace sound alike styles. I mean Kanye West says that that was his favorite artist. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You got the 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 copycat so to speak that came after Mace, you know what I'm saying? And and people would admit that. You know, Eminem talked about how Mace influenced him because it was just such a it was just such a unique just uh, you know, and then you combine that with the 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 90s Cold Crush which was the locks. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it just, everything just sounded unique. That was the beauty of the artist that Puff picked to me. Every artist, you could put them up against each other and nobody sounded alike. So we were able to give you up like a, just a, a buffet of shit and nothing was the same. You know what I'm saying? And nothing was the same. Mm-hmm. So it was a pleasure for the hitmen because we like, ooh, we get to go here and fuck with the locks. Then you get to go over here and do some shit with Maze. And then you got Black Rob who's just ultimately just... Then you go over here if you want to play with Faith. You go play with Faith. You go over here and play with 112. What about you go Mary? Was Mary in the mix at all? Oh, yeah. Mary's the... That's the... Mary was sitting on her throne at the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mary's the queen. We love Mary. Everybody... You know, but that was that was a special privilege. That's like special brew. You had to... Okay. You had to... You know, that's Chucky Thompson and... and and that's his that's his domain. Yeah. You gotta be you gotta earn your stripes to get into that into that world right there. You know what I'm saying? Now, wh- when did you meet Pac? Who? Pac, Tupac. Tupac. I met Pac for the first time with Nas, the godson. We met him together on Howard University campus. Mm. First time I met him, and he ran up on Nas like, "Oh shit, you Nas! Oh shit, boo boo boo!" And he saw me, he said, "Yo, Nas, you know D that?" He said, "Yo, you the guy who sing for the brothers?" The brothers like, hey. he gave us hugs and pounds. We went to his room and smoked with him. It's kind of dope. That was the first Reg, time. Was that regular weed back then? Reg, Reggie's? I don't. I don't. It might have been a little step above. It might have been Reggie Bush. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, it might have been a little. Yeah. Now, you know, you speak about um, you know, fifty years old. You're gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be fifty July thirty first. Shout out to the Leos. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you speak about all you've been through. Yeah. And the moments and the times and the history, but also blessed. We lost so many people. Um, Absolutely. In your 40s, you could say. You know, you think about it, you're not 50 yet. So many people are dropped in their 40s, you would say. And even yeah. less. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you, know, you think about somebody like Ed Woods. Right. You know, you think about our, 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 our long lost brother, Reggie. Uh, Reggie Ose, Combat Jack. Heavy D. Heavy D. You know, in I mean, keep on, Sean Price. Right. You know, 40s. Prodigy. I mean, Prodigy, Prodigy dealt with problems, you know, he with was the sick. Cell, yeah, he was but, sick, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, you even think of like you know Reggie was doing doing and Ed were doing lawyer lawyer stuff for you many many years ago. Yeah, Ed and Reggie were my lawyers. Well, Reggie was my lawyer first from nineteen ninety four five ninety four five around that time, and then Ed came aboard right after because they they were in partnership together. Yeah, I don't know the exact Woods. story. I'll say it was, but yeah, but you know, loved them dudes, man, missed them dudes, man. Um, and and uh, it's crazy because Reggie was the 
how things come full circle. Reggie was the more, you know, his his tie was a little tighter mm. back then. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because he was older, for one. Um, and he just, he just was a little bit more tighter. As the years went on, the roles switched. Ed started becoming a little bit more tighter. He was mm. getting older. He had his first kid. Me and Reggie was having kids. Our kids are close to the same age. So Ed just started having his kids, so he started getting tighter. Reggie started loosening up, mm. becoming more hip-hop. You know what I mean? More like I'm in the world and shit. <laughs> like, oh, shit, you know? Reggie's from Brooklyn, too. Another Brooklyn dude. You know, you know, it's 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 funny because the the way you say that, you know, um, and then we think of uh, the moments. You know, I remember at the funeral, um, they asked uh, if anybody wanted to come up and speak. And I remember, like, that's what I love about your style. Like, you just went up there and you were like, yo, uh, man, my name is, <laughs> my name is Derek uh, D. Don Angeletti, man. Right. And, then, you know, and you start to break down how much you cared about, um, you know, um, combat and, yeah. and Ed Woods, you yeah. know, passing and 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 you know, then we went up there and spoke, you know. But the point I'm making is is is, you know, so many moments in hip hop, so many moments in your career, so many moments in your journey. But it's crazy to know that some people just aren't here with us anymore, man. Yeah, it's crazy to know that. But I also got to look at it like you know, it's not like we don't know that. You know what I mean? Like, one thing I try to teach my daughters is we got to face reality for what it is. And it is what it is, you know. If if death is coming to, coming to all of us, you know what I mean? Um, unfortunately, um, it's just how you deal with it. But you're right. Not having your guy wake up in the morning, you could call your boy up and, you know, talk to him legal shit. Or To this day, I can remember um, calling Reggie last year and just asking him for legal advice when he just wasn't dealing with that shit. But I was like, yo, Les, I just need another pair of eyeballs on this shit or another mm. set of ears on this mm. just because. You know what I mean? And he did it for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I miss I miss, I miss, miss having certain people around. You know what I mean? Just because you know they got your back and shit. You ain't got to worry about the fuck shit. You ain't got to worry about the business getting in the way sure, of your sure, relationship. Sure, you know what I sure. mean? That's yeah. why I was saying before, you know... Uh, we got to cherish the moments. Absolutely. Um, appreciate the victories. <laughs> appreciate all that. You know, uh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but did you get Kanye's publishing back? <laughs> How the fuck did this? Oh, Tell man. me about this shit. Yeah, I mean, this is, I, I hate getting into this story because it gets a little convoluted because I, I got to mention my friend's name, but I don't want to mention his name anymore because he got mad at me for mentioning his name. But what it was, in my opinion, and they tell me I got the story wrong, but when Kanye came to me, he was in all types of deals already. He Kanye is, was notorious for just not giving a fuck and just, I want to do this, I want to do that. Even when I managed him and he went to Rock Nation, he was signed to both of us at the same time. How that worked out for him, I don't, you know, it ended up working out for him. But it wasn't necessarily that God is publishing back for him. What it was was I refused to do a publishing deal with him because he was in so much of a deal that it was just been robbing him. You know what I'm saying? It would just be like, and I just never did those type of deals with anybody. I just, he was me. He was mm -hmm. a producer like me. His mother, same story, single mother. She was an educator. She became a doctor. My mother became a doctor. He dropped out of college. I dropped out of college. He he wanted to make the same type. He sought me out. He sought me out. And it just happened to have a guy who knew me who was dealing with him. 
So I didn't necessarily get his publishing back. Like, I didn't go get it from somebody and say, here, get your publishing back. <laughs> I just refused to do a publishing deal with him to put him just in a further hole than he already was when I met him. And what happened was when we ended up doing our management deal, we kind of worked through all of those things with both parties and him to get it to where he was able to kind of just move forward without having to look over his shoulder anymore thinking people were robbing him. You get what I'm saying to you? And I was just... Nothing I, I owed him. It was just I just didn't want to not be able to sleep at night. I just wasn't that type of dude. I'd rather not have it than have to worry about a motherfucker one day just walking to my office. You see them stories and they just putting a gun. Where the fuck is my money at? Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to play them games. Sure, That's just yeah, not I mean, my style. You didn't need any of that. And then, <laughs> and, 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 and after years, I didn't need none of that. And then after years of uh, telling a story, it's like finally I feel like you you have the exact story of, of what you're telling. You know what I mean? Like yeah, what yeah. exactly happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what exactly it was? Yeah, it was. Just, but most people wouldn't have done what you did, to be honest. So you don't think some people took advantage? Of right, it? and that's that was my point. So I, I think when I used the term "God is publishing back," it came across like I went and deboed somebody and, and you know, give him back his fucking publishing, like we was fucking or something. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that type of situation. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, nah, fam. I just come on, man. You got all types of deals going on. This motherfucker own this piece. That dude got you management here. This dude, here. you just in all types of nutty shit. I ain't getting involved in all that. Yo, for people who don't you know, know, how does songwriting work? Like meaning, like somebody do one bar, or then they like they get certain publishing. Like, how does it even? I mean, if I tell even... you, I have to kill you. Okay. Well, nah, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> nah, I mean it, it works in different ways. I mean, look at it like this: if you got a dollar in your hand, mm-hmm. you can't rip off a corner of of, of the dollar or a big part of a dollar and expect to walk into the store and be able to use it. That's how a song works. You can't break up a song in pieces. So everybody that participates in the song gets a piece of that song. It's the copyright. So 100% of the song. So that's why I said the dollar. So if you wrote the chorus and you wrote your verses and he did the beat and the sample people got this, we all share in that copyright of that song. Mm. So if somebody wants to use it, they got to call all of us. They can't just call you and you say, all right, well, I even own... 33% 33% of it, I'm going to let you do this with the song. and you go. That's where the copyright is. So songwriting is really half of that battle. It's like who actually goes in and pens out the lyrics to the song. And it could be 10 people, one person, you know, and we break up a song based on the music and the songwriting. So 50% would go to the whoever participates in the music side, 50% would go to the, in theory, 50% would go to the people who participate on the songwriting side. If you're R. Kelly, you're doing the beat and you're writing it yourself, 100% goes to you. But if you're somebody like, let's just say, a Mary J. Blige, where you don't produce and you don't, when her, early in her career she wasn't writing, or she might have wrote, wrote, you know, wrote a little piece, you may have the producer doing the beat, they get their piece, and then you might have had three writers that came in and wrote the song. So they all share in that, other 50% that's left and they divide it up amongst the actual work that was done. Sometimes it's even, sometimes it's 20, 20 and 10, sometimes it's 25, 15 and 3 or whatever, you know what I mean? Depending on what you participate in. So so say something like uh you know and hypnotize, you know, you make the beat like mm-hmm. how much you, you know, we're not, I'm not trying to dig in your pockets but how I'm much I got is- you. So so with hypnotize, me and Ron Lawrence produced it together along with Puff. So that's already three people on the production side. Then we got to pay Barry White's estate mm-hmm. and whoever's associated with the... I mean, not Barry White's estate. Um, Herb Albert's estate, okay. right? So Herb Albert's estate, 
whoever wrote on the original Hypnotize, they all have to share in the publishing of that record. So now you add Puffy, D-Dot, and Ron, Herb Albert and his cousin or his brother or his nephew, the other one, right, Randy, um, Randy, right? So that's five people. Then you got to put Biggie in there because Biggie wrote his lyrics. But then we also use a sample, right? Uh, Biggie, 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 can't you see? So we got to pay those people or whoever else we had to pay. I don't know who else got on the record. So by the time we finished, it might have been nine names on that record, eight names on that record. So you divide that up, that's the that's the portions that we own of that record. Mm. What's the most you ever got? Like, you, you ever got something where you got like 50%? Or? 100%. I've wrote, I've written songs where as a mad rapper or a D-Dot, I've written a song and produced it myself and wrote it, so I get 100% of the record. Mm. And what about how, how to rob? Is, is how to some... rob? I get a couple percent because I only wrote the chorus. Okay. So that's you know you figure that's ten, fifteen percent of the record because you got the verses and you got the beat. Mm. So my portion was this much of it. You're in the game. What do you say? Thirty years. I want to say thirty Almost plus 28, years. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight years. Twenty-eight. Any regrets? Any regrets? Yeah. A few. A mm. few. Some I don't can't really speak on. Um, yeah, a few a few regrets. Just positioning. Um, not doing your homework when you you know should have been studying a little bit, taking people with things for granted. Those type of regrets. Um, you know, couple of chicks you know you shouldn't have <laughs> fuck with. You know that either put your business out there or stole something from you or you know dumb shit like that. You know, jewelry. Mm. You know purchases. What the fuck did you buy, man? Well, no, I wasn't. What's the stupid? I, I got. Thing you I got. I, the stupid. I, ne- I, that's, that's that's just what it was. I don't. I've never did a purchase that to me was stupid. Except you know when you in the moment. I didn't have even bought a roly. I bought the the basic one. Puff bought me the diamond studded roly, and I got robbed for it. Mm. And that made me say, "All right, well, fuck the jewelry. Where'd I don't want to do that shit." That Where'd happened it? in Miami, back Where'd in like '98. Somebody ran me off. The dudes, they saw me coming out the club, and they ran me off my scooter. They dropped, banged me in my nose. I got the scratch right here in my nose. The back of the gun opened me up. Stripped, took, took all my shit off. Did Puff get you another watch? Nah. I got I had insurance on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So I got back pretty much double what the watch was worth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it kind of worked out. Robbed me again, motherfucker. That's what I was looking at it. You know, you, you, worked, with so, <laughs> you worked with so many people. Yeah. You look back now, is there somebody you didn't work with that you wish you would have worked with? Dr. Dre. Mm. Um, Would you come close with that or? Have I come close? No, over the years you ever came close to? Nah, nah. Um, You ever met him? Oh, yeah, I met him a few times. Um, Never worked with Beyonce. Mm. Um, I never worked with Rihanna. Would like Mm. to do that. Um, Um. you know, a couple people that passed, I would have loved to work with Aaliyah. I never actually got a chance to work with her. I met her, been around her a few times, but never worked with her. Um, I never got a chance to meet Barry White. That was one of my idols. So I never got a chance to meet him, so I was hoping I could have worked with him. Ron got to work with Luther Vandross and Aretha Franklin and shit like that. You know, Ron Lawrence, I was like, oh, man, you got to work with Luther you and Aretha. Speak to, uh, Stevie J or Ron? Or... Yeah, I still, I, I, I deal with Stevie J. I was uh, managing and handling some consultant stuff with Stevie. I still speak to them. I saw Ron recently at Howard's Homecoming in D.C. Ron is a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. He was going through chemo, so God bless him. 
Um, so, you know, he's been speaking now, doing speaking stuff I saw online, doing stuff like that. I still keep in contact with most of the hitmen because most of us were friends prior. So I knew Chucky Thompson before the hitmen. I knew Nasheed Myrick before the hitmen. I met Stevie during the hitmen. Obviously, I knew Ron Lawrence. I met Young Lord and, and Prestige and J-Dub and Anthony Dent and those guys during the Hitman era, but we all maintain great relationships. Everybody's doing well for themselves. Everybody's okay. Mm. Nobody's out here, as far as I know, nobody's out here, you know, destitute or no dumb shit like that. You know Forget I mean? about it. Right. <laughs> you know, almost 30 years in the business. Almost 30 years in the business. What do you, you know, hip-hop sucks. I'm going to tell you why. I love hip-hop, but it sucks because... Longevity sometimes is kind of like leave people to like, you know, what are they doing now? Like so many of these people think like, what are they doing instead of what they did? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. How hard is it to, like, what are you doing now? Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, you know, are you, do, are you still producing? You still, still have Still love producing, still got love for it, still dropping Mad Rapper records. Mm-hmm. Um, you I dropped a, one with uh, a Tupac verse, no? I did, and I just dropped one recently with Dave East and Young Chris called mm-hmm. Look At Us, part two, produced by Sean C and LV. Um, yeah, those are my guys. So I got a new project coming out. Um, appreciate the hate part three. That'll probably be out end of May, beginning of June. Mm-hmm. But I also did a deal with Complex Magazine for a documentary that's dropping at the end of May, beginning of June, called There's Rules to This Shit. Mm-hmm. Nipsey Hussle is in it, Common Sense. Uh, What's it about? Um, There's Rules to This Shit. Basically, it's just us giving back to the youth, kind of what we didn't do. Because our era, the 90s, early 2000s, we were kind of learning as we was going along. So we didn't really lay it out for the youth. So if you notice now, the millennials, they kind of, there's like a fucking backlash with old heads. They want us to die and just disappear. Like, why are you yeah. still, like, why are, why you, are you still do, here? Why are you still here? Like, Go almost, away. And it's almost like, are you serious? Who y'all going to turn to when you need guidance or when you need mm. to understand? The internet ain't always going to be here. The Planet of the Apes, watch that movie and you'll see. It won't always be here, so eventually you're going to have to talk to someone who's been there and seen it. And so I've got the documentary I'm executive producing. Um, I have an executive producer. I'm a producer in a film called Steps that's already out, executive produced by Shaquille O'Neal, written by Eddie Harris and produced by Eddie Harris. So I got a few things in the can when it comes to those things working. Um, I'm a creative, so I'm always going to be in the mix of something creative. That's just who I am. Um Hip-hop, unfortunately, we're the only genre that puts an age limit on sure. things. For sure. So, and it's so crazy because when I look at all, we're doing a podcast right now. Mm-hmm. When I look at all the podcasts, it's almost going to be impossible for somebody really young to do a podcast because I'm looking at all the podcast people, and a lot of them are much older. They're not as young as you would think they would be in this era. And the reason why is because... If you're only 21 and 22, what the fuck have you been through <laughs> that you can bring to the table that's interesting enough for, for sure. you to talk about all day that's not all based on your opinion? See, I would like to listen to a 21, 22-year-old, but one, they think they know it all, and two, they ain't been nowhere, and three, it's all opinions. Mm. If you talk to somebody like me, I'm giving you actual factuals of shit mm. because I've been there, I've seen it. When you're hosting a podcast, you would hope that your many years of experience have brought you to the point where you have something to share on a daily basis. So when I've been sitting back looking at all these podcasts, I'm like, who the fuck is doing a podcast that's under 30 mm. or 35? Mm. In hip-hop. In hip-hop. Yeah. I mean, you know... So when you talk about this age thing, when you really look at these kids and all these podcasts they're looking to, here they are looking to the old heads for these podcasts. For sure. Joe Buttons ain't 22. Yeah. 
And he's still doing it, man. He's doing a great job. He's not 22 years old. No, Joe I'm saying yeah, I'm not, sure. But my point is, you know, you ain't 22. Mm, no. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, what's the boys? Uh, 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 Elliot Wilson. Elliot and, Wilson. And, and, and B-Dot. Right. They, yeah, they yeah. ain't 22. They, you know, they're not babies. So Combat, you know. Combat, right. So you got to have something to bring to the table. To 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 do this shit, you get what I'm saying. That's at least my opinion. No, Everything no, no. I'm is my humble opinion. Who, so who so, you fucking with these days, though? As far as what in, in hip hop, like who these young kids? Who you fucking with anybody? I, you know, I, I know you mentioned I, Dave East. I, I'm I, I'm one of them rare old heads. Like I respect these young niggas so much. I like them all. I don't have to listen to them all. Mm. But the reason why I like them all is because they taking advantage of their time. This time right here. They are dropping a song a week, fucking video a day. <laughs> but I mean, just think about if we had this shit in our era. Oh just think God. about where we would be. I mean, they wouldn't even had it. They wouldn't even been here if we had this shit. Yeah. So the fact that they are take, they are most of them are taking advantage of a SoundCloud and an Audio Mac and a YouTube and Netflix and 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 they dropping a record in Instagram and Snapchat and you know they they blogging and 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 all, listen, that's all the right shit. So. Even if I don't like the music, I respect it. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just talking to, to Scott Free mm-hmm. because musically, obviously, they ain't putting the same efforts into the records to make them epic. They're, they're what we call disposable music. So that's if I'm going to have an issue, it's the issue with the overall generation of disposable music, meaning 2000 today is what, March 28th? 2018. Yeah. 2018. March 28th, 2019. How many songs from this year will be playing next year? See, me, we talked about the Benjamins, and this is where I stick my chest out. My goal was to make a love is the message. My goal was to make a we are the world. My goal was always to make records that are going to stand the test of time through generation to generation. So, and I hope to have done that. You know, I still want to do that more. I don't think these these kids' goal are generational music. I think it's now because of the internet, because it's so fast, it's microwave. They don't have no problem with making a record that ain't going to be the same style of record next year. It's going to change that fast. Or they don't have no make problem making a record that's almost all hook with this much rap. Like everything is just, hey, hey. And heck, and heck, and go, and go, and that's good enough for the kids. You take, you take, you know, my kids or some of these young kids. All they want is turn up. They're not interested in no bars. They ain't interested in getting educated through the lyrics. They're not interested in this long, drawn out thirty-two bars section that rap purists are gonna appreciate. Yo, did you hear him spit? Yeah, Although yeah. they don't give a fuck about that shit. They don't give a fuck. That's why J. Cole and, 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 and Kendrick and, and, and a couple of these guys, Davey, stand out because it's so unlike the generation that they're in. So when Nas came, when the Wu came, when Big came and Fat Joe came in that 93, with all this Daisy Age shit going on and all this positivity and X-Clan and Two Kings and a Cypher and Public Enemy, and we just in a confused state in the 90s. Then here come these guys... With a definitive way, we're going to look at hip-hop from now on. We're going to look at it from Fat Joe's perspective, which you got to flow, Joe. Here come these guys from Staten Island with the most incredible shit you ever heard, right? Then here go this fat dude from Brooklyn, and then here go this kid from the Project in Queens. Definitive sounds. Definitive. You know it to this day when it rings by your ear. But I could probably play you a couple of trap songs for the last two years. You wouldn't know who the fuck the artist was. 
because it might have been little this or young that or. But which which some of the stuff you listen to? What would you listen to in the last week or so? Do you listen to some young shit? Do you listen to some old shit? YFN Lucci. You like him, really? I know that Uzi Vert is a rock star. Mm, mm. Um, I know that uh, 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 Logic just signed some crazy deal. I've always liked Logic because he worked with an artist from Philly named Patty Crash that I met that works with a producer named Mike Jers, and she worked with Logic, so that's how I got up on him three, four years ago of who he was. Um, uh, who else? Um, Dreezy, the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, heard some of her stuff, and she's actually in my documentary. Um, what's this kid? Um, the rapper from, um, uh, um, he's from Atlanta, I think. No, he's from LA. I really like, um, Travis Scott. I mm. think he's kind of dope. He's from, uh, Texas. Oh, he's from Texas. Okay. Yeah. I really like him. I think he's kind of dope. Um, uh, that's yeah, 21, I mean, I mean, I know, I know of 21 Savage. I know of those, you know, I, I downloaded Nipsey's album. I got that, you know, I listen to it all. Like if, if, I listen to it all. I may not go back to it again, but even some of the, you know, even some of the hip hop from my era, there's dudes that's dropping albums. Some of this shit don't have no replay value on it mm. because I think they getting caught up in the sure, sure. disposable era too. Mm. So some of this shit don't have no replay value for me. So, but I'll give them, I'll give them a spin. Mm. You know what I mean? I'll give it a spin just to make sure that I stay up on it because I do have children that's in their twenties and late teens and early teens and they up on it. Mm. So. Now you grew up in uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn style, Brooklyn style, and now you you moved out to the sticks, right? Oof, yeah, now, let me ask you something. Why, why you say it's disgusting? disgusting? Then why did you move? Is it the the wife? My wife, to move no, my wife's mother, my my wife's mother-in-law was a little sick, so instead of coming to New York. This is, my wife is from Philly, so decided it'd be best to raise. Plus, the educational system is better sure, out there, sure. you know, trees and clean living. Sure. So yeah, made made a best move for the family. But the 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 that scene is dry as a piece of toast. But but sometimes you don't like that quietness. Oh, from, I don't. From growing up in yeah, Brooklyn, at two you in know, the, we at, grew at up two, so loud. At two in the morning, yeah. But at two in the afternoon, <laughs> when you want to get some business done. You know, you're jerking your dick off and shit because there's nothing to do there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like absolute, like you're beating your cock. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> whereas here in New York, you can't avoid business here. You know what I mean? You, yeah. Everywhere you fucking turn, there's some business going on. You're having a luncheon, a dinner, or you're going to office. I'm doing a podcast. Here we go down, knocking mics over and shit, fucking up. You know what I mean? You're doing a podcast. You're just doing all types of shit. You go to Philly, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're planning your whole day around a fucking cheesesteak. Mm. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Mm. I, I can't do it. So, on social, it's uh, what D dot Angeletti. D dot Angeletti. Twitter, you still fuck, you fuck with Twitter too? I guess I hit one button, it goes all my shit. Twitter, Facebook, okay, I don't know what go. I fuck there with. There you go. You, what am you I fuck supposed with to fuck with? Media? I mean, I do. I don't. I'm just not filming myself all day. I don't have that much to say that that I want even the world to know. You get what I'm saying? Because I'm very opinionated. I'm very political. I'm raising my kids that way. I got a daughter at Howard University now. Shout mm-hmm. out to Autumn, Howard University. Congrats. Uh, shout out to all my kids, by the way. Alexis, Autumn, Ali, and Ava. Um, Don't you have all daughters? I have all girls. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, I have all Yo, girls. Yo, actually, as we wind this episode down, I, we need to talk about that. How, first of all, when you raise daughters, I mean, I, my daughter's going to be 18. Okay. When you raise daughters... And this is just my opinion. You, you got to raise them different than you're raising a son. Absolutely. Uh, 
Well, I wouldn't know because I never raised a son, but I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, but more, there's more emotional, there's more feelings involved, there's more, you know, like, yo, sometimes you're just a dad. A little bit more sensitive. You got to be a little bit more, more sensitive. sensitive. Right? You got to watch your tone a little more. You know, you know, you can't just punch him in the chest at 10 years yeah, old yeah, like yeah. you do your son, you know, or he says you just keep punching him. You can't, certain shit you can't do, like, you know what I mean? Like, my daughters know they cross the line, they still getting smacked. It's, that's how I was raised, and that's what's going to happen. It's not no, you know, non-discipline going on here because in this world right now, they killing us. Mm. So if you ain't prepared for a little smack or a little, what's going to happen when out here and these motherfuckers putting guns in your head and these dudes sure, are trying sure. to do crazy shit to you? So it's hard, but I try to give them the truth. My truth, my wife's truth, my history truth. They know they, they know what their dad is. They know what they're getting. And I try to be an example of a man for them. You know, I'm not the best example of the man, but I'm going to be as best an example as I, I can be. Um, and just give them the truth. Make They're going to make their own decisions. Because the one thing, you, you know, my mother always told me is that women are definitely smarter than men. Mm. But they're not as smart as they think they are. Mm. It's coming from my mother about women. So with that sense... They could always use that other piece of knowledge, especially if it comes from their dad. Mm. And once she told me that, I said, I got to be in the, in my kids' lives. You know, I got to be that guy that they could talk to about sex, drugs, sure. whatever they want to sure. talk to. And they don't have to worry about, uh, uh, you know, being, uh, what's the word, judged or yeah, any sure. of that. I'm going to give you the real. You know, my oldest know that I smoked before. They know what's going on. They They know the stories. You know what I mean? And, and I'm going to give them my truth so that way they got both sides. That's the best way that I learned how to how to raise a girl. Just give her your truth because they're going to find out anyway. And you want them to be as best prepared for what's coming their way when you're not there. So that way they can look and say, what would daddy have told me to do right here? Mm. That's all I could do. Man, I, I tell you that even just thinking like being in a household with a wife and how many daughters you have? Three? Four. Four. Four daughters and a wife. So it's five women and D-Dot. And a dog. And a dog. The right. dog is a female, too. <laughs> right. Fuck, you, Two dogs, a you ain't male got, and a female. You, you need to go walk in the woods yeah, and go lay down there absolutely. for a fucking hour, and then you come absolutely. back. Okay? Absolutely. Listen, man, the journey is, I mean, I feel like we could go on forever. We can. I, and I want to, you know, I want to do this again, and I, I, I want to I talk about, and I'm going to be real, like I, maybe not the whole hour, but I want to get into, um, I think this would be good. Because I want to get into, which I want to talk to you about, and I'm, I'm going to give you the title, and we're going to put it out there for now. But I want to talk about the term white mm. hip-hop. Mm. I'm going to leave it at that. Mm. And we're going to talk off the air and guarantee you the next time we come off on the air, oh, yeah. you're going to want to deal with it. Because as we talk about hip-hop, I've been doing a lot of podcasts. The reason why I wanted to come do your show is because I don't know your musical history, but I do know your musical history, meaning you studied, you know some things, but mm. you're always willing to learn. But there's a reason for that. And it'd be interesting to know why mm. you want to know about this thing called hip-hop. Mm. And what you represent is a trillion, billion other people that have that same burn. What's the difference? Mm. 
you know, you know, we we, we got to do an episode about it. And there's some people who've been following me for a long time that know, but I will say this. Um, I grew up, you know, I'm Italian, but I grew up in Coney Island. I grew up in a melting pot. I grew up, I grew up in hip hop, you know, um, and I was judged, but I always stayed to what I believed in. And what I mean by that is, I remember I went to my barber. I tell this story all the time. And I was like, yo, I want to get three cuts in my eyebrow. <laughs> and they said, you know what they said to me? Yo, what are you trying to be, black? Right. I said, nah, I'm trying to be like Kane. Right, got you. So just the addiction of that, you know right. what I mean? Right. Um, the yeah. way you walk, the way you dress, the right. way you, you know, it's very, I'll be honest with you, I feel like in my era, uh, it was rare. Right. And, um, you know, because you could have just succumbed to the uncle and the grandfather um, believing in the same thing that everyone teaches. Or you stay with your own, or you do this. Because at that time, that's how it was a lot. Oh, yeah. And I went to school in Coney Island during the yeah. 80s. I went to Mark Twain. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. My went father to, went to Mark Twain. I went to Mark Twain. Yeah. And it's so funny that a school so gifted is in Coney Island. Like right. that school was, was yeah they was, bust us from Crown bust, Heights yeah, yeah, yeah I had yeah. to get a bus from yeah. Crown Heights I had to catch the bus at quarter to six in the morning every yeah. day yeah. for two years and they kicked me out because I was it was racial back then there yeah. was a lot of a lot of rocky going on back then <laughs> the kids putting rolling up their rolling up their cigarettes in their yeah, sleeves yeah, yeah. some and their Schneider shit yeah, <laughs> yeah man Schneider nah but yo Schneider shit yeah no real talk man um, yeah yeah yeah. Real talk, Schneider man. We'll shit. save this for another uh, another time. Yeah, yeah, but, but um, I, I mean, I want to get into that with you, particularly because I think it's going to resonate throughout. And I'll tell you, you know, a little bit more off the air because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, but, for sure, for sure. I we'll definitely want to get into it. Yeah, we'll get to it. But look, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, at that time when I grew up, look, uh, uh, you know, I, I just was addicted, man. Addicted to the lifestyle. Addicted to the lyrics. Addicted to. You know, love's gonna get you, man. You know, all I wanted to do was drive around and let that bass beat. You know, uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, LL Cool J talk about cars riding around with right. the booming system. Cars drive. You know down. what I mean? Like, right. Like, like I had the windows down. You know, right. Just so people can hear. But anyway, listen, internet. It's not about fucking me. Internet. It's about Derek D. Dot Angeletti. We here, baby. AKA the Mad Rapper. AKA Mad AKA, Rapper. AKA yeah. Four kids, wife, and a, and, a, and a female dog, aka legendary producer. Right. I mean, we went over uh, how many how many tracks to produce, how many rooms you've been in, how many people you coached. Just been blessed, man. I'm so happy, man. God is good. You know, just blessed to be around great people. Opportunities came. You know, the love was there, and just took advantage of it. So I, I always thank the people that you know, like the Hawker Slums, the Ron Lawrence's, the Puffs, the Harves, the Mark Pitts. People that just believed and gave us shots and just gave me opportunities to do things, you know what I mean? And Mr. Gamble, Mr. Huff, affiliate mm. international, because mm. that's why I made Two Kings and a Cypher album at, you know, things like that. Mm. Shout out to Premium Pete. Oh, man, listen, D. My D. Pison and shit. Forget about it. We finally <laughs> made it happen. Like I said, your journey yeah. is definitely inspiring yeah. for any young producers, your mindset, the way you still look at it. And to be honest with you, man, we did episodes. Man, we did an episode in 2010. On, with Wise P. You remember that? And Wise I was sick P, as man. fuck. Yo, how's Wise P doing, man? Uh, hopefully he'll Is be he home, home soon. He not Free home Wise yet. P. Free man. Wise P. Shout out to Wise the P. Free Wise P. Shout out to Rerock. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Reggie. Shout Rest out to, in peace. Shout out to A King. Appreciate all the love you guys show me. Oh, of course, man. Shout out to uh, to uh, Dallas. Oh, DP. DP. Yeah, DP. Dallas Penn. Shout Internet. Out, yeah. Yo, and I will say this, and I'm, I'm going to leave you on this note. Uh, Internet, connect with D. If you don't know of him, 
check the catalog, check everything going on, follow his socials, see what he's doing. But more importantly, I will say this. Honestly, and I mean this, thank you for all your contributions to hip-hop. Oh, thank you. Because, honestly, like you said before, and this ain't no bullshit. I'm not just fucking saying this shit. I don't need no reason to not say this shit. A lot of your contributions, most, I would say, are timeless. Oh, I appreciate that. No, nah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that. Internet's D-Dot, the mad rapper. But, you know, my shit is more John Blaze Absolutely. D-Dot Angeletti with Brooklyn Premium style. Beat, Brooklyn, Brooklyn style. style, Italianos, and motherfucking Puerto Ricans, and Blacks, and Jews, <laughs> we all together, baby. We're doing our thing here. Premium Beat, D-Dot, you know how we do. See you next episode. Yeah. Cheer. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on The Premium Peach Show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com and let's get working, okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms and podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll see you next episode. Cheer.